Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Welcome to Crossbridge. My name is Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor of Crossbridge Community Church. I'm thankful for each of our locations, uh, for those listening online, uh, those that uh, I see face-to-face in Ottawa, as well as all of those who are worshiping in Peru and Morris. So uh, thanks for, man, trusting us and showing up and uh, just allowing me the opportunity to share with you. We've been in the last couple of weeks talking about belonging. Uh, Pastor Sherry a couple of weeks ago talked about belonging to God. Last week was about belonging to each other. In fact, I would encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to listen the last couple of weeks, feel free to go on our website, crossbridge.church, and, and check out those messages. This week is the idea of belonging to the mission. One of the things about Crossbridge is that there's always new people coming. Uh, I love that about our church. Every week, I feel like I meet new people. There's many times where Brian or Pastor Kevin, um, even Pastor Tricia will say to me, hey, we had somebody new, you know, checking out Crossbridge. And, and one of the things I think is important is that periodically we talk about what our mission is. And, and the truth is we belong to it. When I say we belong to it, here's what I mean by that. Uh, our mission, like it's ours. We, we own it. Uh, we live it. And, and that's what I want for you. And so, hey, um, Let's talk a little bit about this mission, because the truth is, I love it. I love the mission of Crossbridge Community Church. Uh, I'm going to back, like, go backwards a little bit. In fact, probably about uh, 13 years ago, uh, I walked into a church. It was my first time uh, being the lead pastor of a church, and I walked into this church in southern Illinois, and I, I was walking through the halls, and just kind of checking the place out, first month or two, right? And one of the things I noticed by the front entry on the wall was a plaque. That plaque, uh, it said Salem Grace Church of the Nazarene, and it said mission. On the plaque, it, it had this mission all like spelled out. And the truth was, though, it was probably, my guess is it was about four sentences long. I remember reading this statement and just thinking, whew, like, it's going to take me a long time to wrap my head around the fact that we are a church who's going to do all of these things. I also thought to myself, if it takes me, the lead pastor who is walking around these hallways to figure out this mission, it's going to take a long time to figure it out, um, what does that say for the person who walks in for the first time? Um, I, it needed some focus, right? And, and we actually did. We reworked it. We rewrote it. We simplified it. I, I walked into this church about seven years ago. And, and one of the things that was very clear, that was very different than the first church I walked into, was that that work had already been done. That we had a mission statement, that it was clear, it was concise, it was much shorter, and this place lived by it. And so maybe you're new, maybe you've only been here a few months, maybe you have no idea what the mission of Crossbridge is, and here it is. Are you ready? Here's our mission. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. We exist to lead people 
into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we do. In fact, um, let me tell you why I love that mission statement so much. Number one, it's simple, right? I think a mission statement should be simple. I think it, it doesn't need to be four sentences long. It doesn't need to try to accomplish everything. It, it really is just about a statement that says who the place is. I was looking up some um, mission statements of maybe some places that you might recognize. Um, most of you have probably heard of Walmart before, right? To save people money so they can live better. That's their mission. Huge company, right? To save people money so they can live better. What about this little coffee shop called Starbucks, right? To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. Or how about those golden arches, right? McDonald's. To be our customer's favorite place to eat and drink. And then one of my personal favorites, Culver's, of course, if you've been around Crossbridge long, you know, here's what it says. To have every customer who leaves Culver's leave happy. I thought, I think they accomplished that. Every time I go there, I leave happy. I leave with a smile on my face and my stomach full, good place. But simplicity brings clarity. It, it reminds us what our focus is. In fact, um, Years ago here at Crossbridge, there was a group of people who said, what is our mission? Let's zero in. Let's bring the place focus, right? In fact, a little history of Crossbridge. Uh, Crossbridge used to be Ottawa First Church. Um, in fact, years ago, right, started in a park, like in a tent, right, is, is where this church started. But I even think back to probably in the neighborhood of uh, 16 to 18 years ago, 15 to 18 years ago. At one point in there, I remember coming over um, from Bourbon, Illinois to Ottawa First Church, and I came for a wedding. And um, I believe at the time it was one of the youth pastors here at Ottawa First Church, and I, I came for a wedding. And um, the room that I'm standing in right now uh, was where the reception was had tile floor, had lines on the floor, there were tables. It was a gymnasium. Um, at the other end of the building, where now is this incredible children's space, um, that was the like worship center, right? And they had pews, and it was very traditional looking. And, and really, at that time, Ottawa First Church was probably 200 people. And, and then they went through this time of getting like taking this mission and saying, what is our mission? Zeroing in on it, and voila, we have what we have today, right? Uh, Crossbridge Community Church, four different campuses, impacting probably around 1,400 people a week, and, and God has blown the place up. The truth is, it inspires me. That mission, if it wasn't for the mission, I'm not sure I would be here. Um, part of what makes me want to be the lead pastor of Crossbridge is because I love the idea and I love like my life being centered around and my work being centered around helping others lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Here's one of the things though I want you to hear today that I think is really, really important. I, I don't want this just to be you say, hey, my church has, you know, this mission this isn't about just a corporate kind of feel where you're looking from the outside into the church and saying, oh yeah, that's my church's mission. This is the idea that as the church, every one of us, 
are the church. We make up the church. Remember, we belong to each other, and we belong to this mission. And, and this mission is not just a corporate statement that sits on a plaque on a wall. That this statement would be grounded, like, in your heart, and it would be personal. That every one of us would say, that's not just my church's mission, that is my mission. So that mission isn't just made up. That mission comes from this book. Let's look at the Bible and let's see what it says about mission. There's a lot of things that uh, I could have pointed to. I'm really going to keep this very simple today. Probably as, as simple as I've kept it in a long time. Two major streams of thought when it comes to belonging to the mission. The first one is this. We are chosen to be on God's team to do God's work. Let me say it again. We're chosen to be on God's team to do God's work. That is really good news. John 15 says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Now listen to this line. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I love that line. There's this idea that you were chosen and you were appointed. I was chosen and I was appointed that I might and you might, there's a, really, there's a big word here, go. That we would go and bear fruit and, and not just fruit that like comes and goes, not just like fruit for today, but it says fruit that will last. I think about, what a great question for all of us, right? What are we doing with our lives? What are we investing in that will have like lasting impact, that will, that will last? You, you think about investing in people like we talked about last week, this whole idea that we own one another, and that I'm your responsibility, and you are my responsibility. And, and this picture that we're shaping each other's lives in a way in which has lasting kind of influence and impression. Lasting transformation. I remember when I was a kid, I was thinking about this, this um, as I was writing this sermon. I was probably in fifth grade. And I had a neighbor, and when I say a neighbor, out in the country, that's loose terms, right? He lived about a mile and a half away. And uh, he would ride his motorcycle over to my house. And, and he, I believe, was, was two to three years older than me. And his name was Darren. And I would hear him. He had a Yamaha motorcycle that was really loud. And it would come screaming down the road. And he would come in. And, and we, would, we would play a lot of sports together. We played a lot of basketball together. And he was always bigger, stronger, faster, older, right? And so... Um, I was usually on the short end of the stick of things, but we didn't have a lot of other companionship, you know, within like driving of motorcycle distance on country roads. So it was him and I, right? And, um, and one of the things I remember is that he used to, during the wintertime, his dad would rent uh, the local grade school and, and we would use that gym on Sunday afternoons to play basketball. And, and he would call me and say, hey, do, do you, do you want to go play? And uh, do you want to come? like to this open gym. And, and I would go, and he would have all his friends there. And, and as a kid, maybe some of you remember this who played sports, but I would look up to these older kids. I would look up to them, and they were the kids who, like, you know, were starting on the eighth grade basketball team when I was a, a fifth grader. And, and I, I was very much like I admired them. 
And, and he would invite me to that, and I was always the worst one out of the bunch. I was the young person. And, and looking back, he didn't have to invite me to that. In fact, if anything, I was probably the one that didn't really fit because they were bigger, stronger, faster. But, but I also remember this. I was always chosen to play. I, I was always, when we'd pick teams, someone would always pick me. And, um, and I felt just honored and privileged to be able to play with these older kids. Uh, but, I, but I look back at that. Some of you... In fact, some of you, this brings back bad memories. Some of you remember PE or you remember playground um, and you remember when teams were chosen. Some of you were picked and some of you weren't, right? And, and that could be extremely painful. Uh, some of you, that's a great memory. Some of you, that's, I've just brought up, uh, you know, something you need counseling about. But, but here's what I want you to think about. Do you ever look at your life and ask the question, why would God pick me? Like if God is picking teams and he's picking people to do his work, he's picking people to serve him, why would he pick me? And and I want you to hear this. This is really important, okay? He sees something in you. He sees potential in you that you can't even see. That God, like sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, man, what in the world could God do with this? And God looks at you and he says, I can do way more with you then you understand. You know, I think for some of us, it's hard. It's just hard to see ourselves that way. But the reality is God sees us in a different way, in a way that says, you are my son or daughter, as Pastor Sherry talked about, belonging to God, right? And I see value in you. Now, the second piece that, um, you know, so first piece, right? We were chosen to be on God's team, to do God's work. And that's really, really significant. You were chosen. The second is this. We were meant to be sent. You know, that's, I tried to say that in a way in which you'll remember it, right? You were meant to be sent. Listen to, look at Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10. And uh, I want to read these passages to you because you'll hear kind of the same theme in both of them. Luke chapter 9 says this, when Jesus had called the 12 together, He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. And if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming good news and healing people everywhere. So this passage, right, we see that Jesus sends out these 12 and they're going out and they're doing his work. And, and we kind of get a picture that they're not gonna be welcomed everywhere, but there will be fruit from their work. Now listen to Luke chapter 10, just a chapter later. After this, the Lord appointed, not 12, 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He asked him, or he told them, the harvest is plentiful. You may have heard this verse before, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then we see that word again, right? Go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. I want to focus on that last portion. In fact, um, let, me, let me just zero in on here where it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers 
are few. This is, this is a big clue of what God is up to, and it's, it's a big clue of, um, of what we can expect to encounter when we go. The harvest is there. You, you may say, man, like, who are we talking about, right? And I'm just telling you, when you go outside the church doors, you go outside your door at home, the harvest is plentiful. There are all kinds of people who are in need of Jesus, of Jesus' power in their life, of Jesus' forgiveness in their life, of Jesus' peace in their life, of Jesus' joy in their life. All kinds of people, he tells us, the harvest is everywhere. But those who are going out, he's really saying, are few. I don't know, I had a weird illustration come to mind this week, and you'll probably think it is weird, and maybe it's because we're turning the corner from Christmas, and so the next thing on my mind is, believe it or not, even in the middle of January, is Easter, right? I, I do look forward to the weather at Easter, but, but let's just, let's keep with this idea. Um, think about what an Easter egg hunt would look like without eggs. I don't know how many of you have kids, right? How many of you... Uh, would participate in something like that. But you know, typically, if you have kids, you're probably doing some sort of Easter egg hunt. Typically, your kids grow out of it. Where this story is going today is my kids have not. In fact, my kids, they still love to hunt Easter eggs. Now, it's, it's not because, um, you know, they're just lacking maturity. It's not because they're stuck, you know, at, at eight years of age. I have a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old, and, and they will beg me, to hunt the, like to to hide those eggs. And here's why. The reason is because since they were little, it it wasn't even so much about the candy. Uh, it might have been about if, you know, sometimes we threw a few dollars in in these eggs. But really what it was about, it was about stiff, like breakneck, push the other down competition to see who got the most eggs. In fact, it was always important um, it was always important in the process of hiding eggs that it would be an odd number of eggs. Because if we had an even number of eggs, that means we could have a tie. And in my house, like, a tie just means everybody loses. And so they wanted to know, like, one person has to win and one person has to lose. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I'm going to say it quietly, but um, my son usually doesn't fare well in this. You would think he's bigger. Um, but he doesn't. I just don't know if he doesn't pay attention well enough to find the eggs or what. But um, Tamara has bragging rights for sure when it comes to the egg hunt. It, but I, I, I'm just picturing if we get to Easter this year and I'm like, hey, kids, just stay in the house. I know you love this. Uh, I can't believe we're still doing it, but I'm going to go out and hide eggs. And, and I went out in the yard and I didn't hide a thing. I put no eggs in the yard, and then I went inside, and I said, okay, kids, man, they're loaded out there. They're everywhere. Uh, good luck. You know, there's 45 of them, right? So uh, 23 brings home the prize, right? And I sent them out the door. It, it would actually be kind of fun to do. I'm thinking about it right now. Is, and there'd be nothing. I can picture them walking around the yard. I can picture them looking in the, you know, the downspouts. I picture them looking in the planters. And wouldn't it be funny if, if there was none? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I probably, I just need to put that thought away. But here is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, this is not going to be like going outside. 
and having an Easter egg hunt where there are no eggs. I'm not sending you on some sort of, hey, go, and you're going to have nothing to do. Here's what I'm telling you. Jesus is saying, as one who follows me, I am sending you out. I'm sending you outside the church walls. I'm sending you outside your doors. And when you go, if you will open your eyes, there will be eggs everywhere. Not eggs, people, right? That, that there will be opportunity everywhere to tell people about me. Now, he says something else there that I think is really interesting. He says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. I read that and, and I thought, huh, well, that's, that's not exactly encouraging, right? When I think about a lamb and I think about a wolf, I think I typically don't think of those together. And I think of one being predator and one being prey. You know, I, I think what it says is this. I'm going to illustrate it this way. I, I live in the country now and uh, we have all kinds of critters. In fact, uh, just the other day I came home and there was a big fat raccoon and I pulled in the drive and it was just, it was just waddling like up the drive. It took a right, went up the sidewalk and literally stood on my front porch. And I thought to myself, this thing is way too comfortable, right? So I was trying to figure out how to get rid of it. Like two days later, somebody ran over the thing and anyway, no more raccoon. But I tell you this to say, so I have a little dog. Most, some of you met my dog at Christmas. Her name is Chica. And, um, my kids, as well as my wife, think, hey, it's okay. Just let the dog go outside. Like, send a dog out the front door. We don't always have to put her on a leash. And I'm like, guys, I, th I think you're crazy. I, I think there could come a day where Chica could come face to face with a raccoon, a giant possum. I have a beaver out back. Um, not to mention, those are the things I know that are out there. There's also things I don't know. You know, I even think about hawks or whatever. Like, I love that little dog, right? I'm like, put the dog on a leash because you've seen Chica. Chica's not a fighter, right? Chica's a lover. She's a little bitty Maltese poodle. You know, um, Jesus was saying this. Jesus was saying, just know this up front. And, and sometimes I, I, I like to tell you these things because I, I think there's many times in the church setting, we make everything sound easy, we make everything sound good, follow Jesus, and it's always a party. That's not what this passage is saying. What this passage is saying is you have been chosen, you've been appointed to go, and, and fruit can come from your life. In fact, fruit in the lives of people that will last eternally, you can have an eternal impact on someone. You can have an eternal impact on your neighbor or your coworker or your family member in the midst of sharing his good news and folks receiving it. But I also think this, you're also, I mean, you're commissioned to go. You're meant to be sent. But that doesn't mean it's, it's just going to be a party. It doesn't mean everywhere you go that when you feel a little nudge on your back, and, and, and what I mean by that is the nudge inside of your heart that says, hey, maybe you should say something. Not everyone's going to go, oh, yes, just tell me more about Jesus. Yeah, I'm completely open. Like, I'll just kneel right here and pray. Many of you know this. But what I want you to hear is we're not just sent um, guaranteed, like, automatic results. Our role is not to worry about the results. Our role is to worry about obedience. Our role is to do what we've been called to do 
and, and to go where we have been sent. And, and then I truly believe this. I've seen it in my own life. We trust him for the results. Here's the good news about the Bible. The Bible says um, we're often told about this fruit idea, that we can produce fruit. The reality is we don't produce it. We get to be a part of the production process. We get to be a part of being connected to God's work in which fruit is produced. That anytime, in fact, it tells us the, the, the way that fruit is produced is when we are connected to the vine. You'll find that in the book of John. It's this idea that the only way that like power happens is when we are hanging on to God and then through him, power is extended and we see fruit produced in the people around us. You know, um, John 17 there's, there's uh, 15 and 18, and here's what it says. And I thought, what would it look like if we made this our prayer, right? My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. He's talking about believers. Uh, Jesus my, saying, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world... I have sent them into the world. Now listen how the message puts it. Just as I didn't join the world's ways, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are, more, they are no more defined by the world than I'm defined by the world. Make them wholly consecrated with the truth. The idea, set them apart, right? Your word is consecrating truth. Now listen to this line. In the same way you gave me a mission in the world. This is what Jesus is saying. I give them a mission in the world. You know what I'm I'm, I'm thankful for at our church? I'm thankful that we're not just stagnant. I'm thankful that we see growth. I'm thankful that every week I feel like I walk around um, whatever campus I may be at, I can walk around the room and I can meet people who are, might be there for the first time, the second time, or the third time. I'm thankful that I get emails that tell me about uh, God's transforming work that are happening in people's lives. I'm thankful that there is this incredible movement and that there is, when you think about the trees around Crossbridge, that they, they're always being shaken and that fruit is falling off of them. I'll tell you, the reason I believe fruit falls off is because corporately as a church, we have said we're going to be about one thing. We're going to be about leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And what I would say is personally, though, the the reason it happens is when we adopt that, when we take that mission, and we say my life can be about a lot of things, but I understand I understand what the Bible's saying, and I understand what it's calling me to, and I want to be obedient to that. I want my life to be centered around leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. You know, I, I hear this over and over. Every time I read a baptismal story, I'm reminded. Almost every time I read a story of someone who's saying, I have come to faith and I want to profess it, there's a place in that story where they make reference to one who brought them there to someone who invited them to church, to someone who invited them to small group, to someone who shared with them how incredible it is that we get to be a part 
of God's amazing story in someone else. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you've called us to live out this mission. I'm thankful that you've chosen us. For some of us, it's really hard to believe that you could use us. You've chosen us and you've appointed us that we would be people who could bear fruit. In fact, lasting fruit, eternal kind of fruit. And God, I'm also thankful and I, and I pray that we would hear the challenge. We weren't meant to sit. We were meant to be sent. And God, I pray that you would just tell us, whisper in our ears when it's time to go. Whether it's easy, whether it's hard, whether it's met with resistance or met with acceptance, that God, that wouldn't change. It wouldn't change how we proceed, that we would be people who are willing to go. I give you thanks in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.